The children cycled all the way to the schoolyard without seeing Petey. The new fire truck loaded with firemen and the chief of police with his black and white car was still there. The men had already been inside, talking to the few remaining teachers, the librarian and the janitor. The adults were searching the building, but no one really believed that Petey was still there. The general consensus was that he had stopped to play with a friend. Billy and Joe Beth stopped at the Summers' house to see Joe Beth's grandparents. Adelaide and Mrs. Summers immediately went out and searched around the garage and trees. Joe Beth, Billy, and Adelaide's son David crossed the street and walked around the vacant house. The house and yard had an empty, neglected air. Everything was just a little bit overgrown and underkept. I dream about that old tree sometimes. It's so dark and creepy the way the branches drag the ground. Every night when Grandpa comes out and checks around, he shines a light right under there. Sometimes things skitter and run. Joe Beth was right. That huge magnolia offered plenty of hiding places under its ground-sweeping branches. He shines his light in that garage, too, but you can't see nothing. I wish the Pattersons would come back. This place was better then. She whispered so that the very skinny man with the heavy load and a croaker sack would not hear. He appeared to be cutting through the yard to the street. He glanced at her with hooded green eyes, and she shivered. Making coffee the next morning, Hyacinth caught an errant tear on the hem of her apron. She had come into work at the Shiners early this Friday after a late night. Mr. Jeff drove her home a little after two this morning, insisting that she get some sleep. The three of them walked the neighborhood until dark, calling for Petey constantly. They knocked on the same doors that they had knocked on earlier in the day. Everyone was so sympathetic and patient. Staying busy was the only way they were able to fight the rising and potentially overwhelming panic. After dark, the Shiners took the car in the shop panel truck and drove down all the streets near the school. While the parents drove around, Hyacinth stayed at the house by the phone, in case Petey came home or someone called. Over and over, the two Shiners drove the route that Petey usually used. Both of them intently tried to see through the shadows, jumped at every flickering branch, and imagined little boys under every lamppost. When they were past the school in the park, they continued to search, and they were not alone. Many of the governor's road neighbors searched on foot and from their cars. Helen Newley stayed on her phone calling all the families in the neighborhood. Eventually, as the days passed, Helen spoke to everyone in town who had a phone and was listed in the phone book. This morning, Rayfield had been reluctant to drive Hyacinth to work. I knows that you want to be there, but you needs to rest, too. A big man, Rayfield Kincaid, hunched over the steering wheel of his pickup truck. There won't be no rest for me, Rayfield, until that boy is home. You know that. And I dream too much when I sleep. It's worse than being awake. I see him safe in his bed, but I wakes up. I need to be there. Hyacinth reached over and patted Rayfield's hand, trying to express her pleasure that he was worried about her. It was comforting to know that someone recognized how she felt. Okay, I'll come by on my lunch and check on you. He slipped the pickup into neutral. Try not to fret too much. Stay busy and keep your mind off all the troubles. She smiled weakly and got out. She watched her husband of over thirty years drive away. Using her key, 
She let herself in the back door to the kitchen. She started breakfast, coffee first. Telltale sounds indicated that the shiners were up. Hyacinth heard the shower and the continuing rise and fall of a voice on the phone. Settling the coffee pot over a low flame, Hyacinth pulled the bacon out of the refrigerator and a cast-iron frying pan out of the cabinet. She started the bacon and set some eggs to boil. The shower stopped. Relaxed in the soothing motions of the familiar routine, Hyacinth let go of some of her anxiety. As usual, she opened the bacon package, peeled off six slices, two for each of the family, and laid them in the cold frying pan. An excellent cook, Hyacinth gritted a little brown sugar between her fingers and let it fall over the bacon slices. The activities and sounds of the house were all so normal. Suddenly, unable to believe that she had not been living in a nightmare, the thought occurred to Hyacinth 